Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Well, good afternoon there, everyone. Have you ever dreamt about swimming with dolphins, or would you just like to have a personal experience with one? Well, our guest, Roberta Goodman, is here with us today and will share some of her awesome adventures that she's experienced with the dolphins. Actually, the dolphins are literally her whole life. Her journey began with dolphins after she, uh, in 1978 after reading Dr. John Lilly's book, Communication Between Man and Dolphins. And Roberta knew Dr. Lilly from 1980 until his death in uh, September of 2001 at his Human Dolphin Foundation Lab in Marine World, Africa, USA, in Redwood City. Brings back memories for me. (laughs) I remember taking my kids there. Um, uh, Actually, Roberta designed and performed communication experiments with the dolphins, Joe and Rosie. Her ultimate goal was to reunite the dolphins with their natural environment. As project director, Roberta moved Joe and Rosie to the Florida Keys and prepared them for their release back to the ocean. You are now listening to the Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Well, Paula, I wonder just what Roberta really whispers in in their dolphin ears, <laughs> because I've just read that boat captains call Roberta a dolphin magnet. Paula, not long ago you had the experience of swimming with the dolphins. I personally have never had that experience. Just the idea of getting into the water with these brilliant, magnificent creatures stirs my blood to really want the experience. I've seen pods of hundreds, maybe more than that, swimming at my daughter's home and Laguna Beach for hours through a telescope, and it's truly amazing to watch them. But to have a vacation time with a dolphin, I'm not sure I'd ever sleep again. Paula, could you tell us more about Roberta? Well, um, I went uh, last March, I actually went to the Citation uh, Summit, uh, and I attended uh, where there were many speakers about the dolphins and whales. And Roberta was one of the speakers, and uh, her stories just literally changed, um, well, I always knew that dolphins were intelligent, but after listening to um, Roberta, I've learned that they're far more intelligent than I ever thought they could be. So welcome, Roberta. Are you with Thank us? Thank you, Paul and Todd. Oh. Great to be on your show and with your viewers, our listeners. 
Yeah. Well, we're ready oh, for those adventures. <laughs> well, Roberta, how did you, um, could you tell us the backstory of how you began working with Dr. Lilly at Marine World? Well, after reading this book, I read everything else I could find on dolphins uh, for a couple years, and then I moved back to the Bay Area from Maui, and a very small newspaper article came out saying John Lilly was starting research at Marine World Africa USA, which even though it was only 30 miles from my house, I'd never even thought of going there to visit the dolphins. I, I wasn't interested in, in being a trainer for the shows. I really wanted to do research. And in John's book, he describes an open-to-the-sea research center, and I, I was looking for that place all over the world. And there, there never has been one of those, I don't think, uh, since the early 60s when John had his lab in a flooded house. So um, I went to Marine World, and John hadn't set up research yet, but uh, I found there was a petting pool. And in, in that petting pool were three dolphins. It was heartbreaking. I asked where they went at night because they were in such a small tank. But no, they stayed there all the time. And I thought, well, for sure, for summer vacations, let's go somewhere. Where do they put them for the summer huh? or, or a winter? Do they have a winter home? But no, they were always in that tank. And uh, even though it was heartbreaking, when I went and, and reached my hands in the tank, one of the dolphins came over and just laid in my arms. And it was amazing. Uh, no one was really supervising the tank, and I was able to play for, the, for hours with the do- three dolphins inside and became very close to them, very bonded. Um, and I ended up working with another researcher, not John, uh, not Dr. Lilly, but um, Diana Reese, who was opened up a project right there at the petting pool and asked me to join her team as a volunteer and then a volunteer coordinator. So I had my own research dolphin, which was my favorite dolphin, Terry, there at the tank. And uh, after working with her and as a diver for a park, it was actually three years later that I started work with Dr. Lilly and the Human Dolphin Foundation. And... Uh, Shortly after that, in 1984, I became his research director, and I was uh, investigating how to, or if the dolphins could be untrained or deconditioned from the behaviors and the cues that they had learned only one right answer to for the previous four years. So for four years, a cue was was uh, given to the dolphins, either a hand signal or a acoustic cue, and the dolphins um, could only do one thing, to write, and that would be a bow or to wave their peck or to jump and touch a ball. And in one trial, I found out that they could do everything wrong, if that's what I rewarded. (laughs) And it was amazing (laughs) that they could decondition from four years of training. Wow. Uh, And uh, so that's the kind of work I did with with the Human Dolphin Foundation as Dr. Lilly's research director there at Marine World. What was World. it like, uh, Roberta, what was it like um, actually, put, you know, taking the dolphins out of the tank the very first time when you did that? What, what happened? What was, what was your experience? Um, to take them back to the sea? Yeah. Well, we moved them. Uh, 
first in trucks and then in an airplane from the San Francisco airport all the way to Miami and then drove with them in a truck up to uh, Marathon Key. And when they were first put into a sea pen, which had natural rock walls uh, and floor, they circled right in the middle. They wouldn't go to the edges. And slowly, slowly they went and investigated their area and all around the rock edges. Um, I moved them to another location in Key Largo, and there we put a gate in the fence out to a canal which would went out to the, um, the Caribbean, out, to the, um, out at, in the Keys. And the first time and the second time and the third time, they didn't go through. They wouldn't go through the, the gate. It was right at the water line, above and below the water line. Um, and dolphins have to be conditioned to go through unusual um, areas. So into a shallow area, um, over a barrier, um, or through a gate. And they could not be enticed through that home offense. It was, uh, that's the most difficult part, I think, of bringing them out to an open sea, uh, doing open sea work is getting them to leave home. They well, that, I could their, see how that would be, mm-hmm. I'd see how that would be scary for them. Yeah, yeah, it is. And they don't want to leave the other dolphins. And uh, it's really quite a long process to bring them gradually out to the open sea. Wow. So the mate yeah, they what finally the mother get, does. Were Pardon? they finally uh, permanently released? They were. Um, Rick O'Berry uh, of the Cove fame brought them to an island off Georgia in the Atlantic Ocean, and it was filmed for National Geographic. But again, the first time, the big release, the big reveal, the gates were opened, and Joe and Rosie swam the wrong way up a dead-end canal. And uh, they had to be <laughs> redirected. They weren't sure they wanted to leave before they left back out uh, to canals that led to the open ocean. So, so um, it's, not, it's not an easy thing to um, bring them back to the ocean. So wow. did you, you have a tracking system on them to, you know, to track where they went after you released them? Well, um, they were freeze-branded. Joe had a, a sign, you know, a Mars sign on him, and, and Rosie had a Venus sign on her, on her dorsal fin, freeze-branded, but they only last a year. And unfortunately with these projects is that they're, not, they're only funded for the release. They're not funded throughout a long follow-through, you know, follow-up for the dolphins. So in... No case, or really no case, have the dolphins been followed and tracked to see that they were successfully reintroduced to their wild. So this is really my desire, is for this it to be shown possible that they can go back to the sea, live in the sea, readapt, socialize, navigate, hunt, defend themselves, um, and what I call become naturalized to their cetacean nation, the ocean. Um, 
but it takes follow through. It takes tracking and documentation. All these processes and abilities have to be documented. And the U.S. government insists that we have a protocol that's been proven, and yet they haven't found a protocol that they consider proven for readapting the dolphins. And this is what I really want to do, is to prove protocols for readaptation of dolphins back to their natural environment. Are dolphins yeah. accepted into into other pods easily, or what happens along that line? Well, uh, a dolphin like Rosie, a female, a young female, and I think she was probably pregnant at the time, may have had a much easier time being readapted or adapted into a pod, accepted into a pod, than Joe. Joe grew up without any uh, older males to tell him how to behave. Well, both of them did. but So he was a rambunctious male with real really no social etiquette as far as wild dolphins go. And I kind of believe the story that he adopted a fisherman and was begging fish from a crabber off the coast. So he had less success in being reintroduced to a pod. Or, well, he wasn't introduced to him, you know. He had to fend for himself and, and uh, probably was not accepted. Now, can you, we go back to the story that I thought was so cute that you had taught them to um, do bad or do they were rewarded for bad behavior, or and then then somebody came in to watch them, and you thought, oh no, what am I going to do now? So they actually went back to their old tricks, didn't they? <laughs> yes, they did. This is the um, the key experiment in, in one trial, they learned from me that I would reward them even if they didn't do something right or for not doing something right. Um, every day they started with bow, just like in a show. So the cue would be put in for bow and <clears throat> it was an excuse, acoustic cue. So a computer generated cue went into the water saying or bow. And um, the dolphins would always go bow, first thing. Well, instead of doing that, I stood in a slightly different station with my bucket of fish, and I put in the cue for wave peck. And they went off and bowed. And when they got back to station with their mouths open, I said, good job, and I threw them each a fish. And um, they, they kind of looked at me funny. I could see that they were going, hmm, what's going on here? So the next cue I put in, asking them to go through a PVC uh, square-shaped hoop, um, they, they bowed beside it. And when they came back, I said, perfect, well done, and gave them each a fish. And it continued that way. And from then on, they did not do one behavior correctly for session after session. As I put in cues, they would do something almost like it, or something completely different. And they'd come back and I'd give them fish and tell them, oh, that was great. I was wondering whether they would um, assign their own meanings or, you know, repeat a behavior for each cue. <clears throat> but they didn't. They did uh, random behaviors, most of them slightly uh, related to the, to the uh, initial, you know, the original condition cue. 
like slap a tail next to the square or um, oh I, I told them to jump touch ball in, in that first session and usually they would each take turns run around the tank jump up and into the air and touch a tether ball hanging above the tank and fall back in the water and then the other one would run around and, and do it this time they both ran around at the same time they jump up into the air under the tether ball bump into each other's heads direct head on and <laughs> fall back into the tank I thought that was great <laughs> I've never seen dolphins do that run into each <laughs> other and the <laughs> so um excuse me a truck going by so yeah. after a, um, a couple months of that sort of session, along with some other sessions I was doing to create novelty, um, a French TV crew wanted to film the original Janus project. And so just before the film crew came in, the week before, I stood at the old location with my bucket of fish, started out with bow, and the dolphins were right on they bowed, they came back, and did 100% correct. They, they performed 100% correctly. And again, when the, the TV crew came and we, we had, uh, you know, the, the old setup, sat it in the old place, began with the bow, away they went, right back to the show, and 100% uh, correct. So this is something that trainers... Uh, would not believe would be possible with dolphins. Do you think they, they were so flexible? Was that through intuition, partly? Do you think? <laughs> well, I could have said just about could have said. I told the dolphins in my mind, "You don't have to do anything right." I stood in a new place, my bucket of fish started out with a new cue, and they never did anything right. And you could just as well believe that. <laughs> you know, because I would tell them things. Like, I would sit there and say, do something I've never seen before. What's, do something different. And after a few frustrating bows of trying to figure out what exactly I wanted, they started to do different things. And they did one completely unique behavior after another for every time I did that session. And all I would do is just kind of shrug my shoulders, do something different. What you got today? Make me laugh. And they would. Wow. So, you know, how much of it is my mental projection, visualization of what I see happening? I had no idea what kind of behaviors they would do, the twists and turns and corkscrews and surfing that they would do. <clears throat> but I had in mind, just make me laugh. What do you, you know, what do you want to do? Make me laugh. And yes, perhaps, you know, my intention was just as valuable in their performance or, you know, their response as sitting in a different place with a with the bucket of fish, you know? So um, you had a response like um, they were literally playing with you back and forth as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like there was... <laughs> there were a lot more examples of, of what seemed to really be um, playing non-verbally with me in subtle communication. Um, for instance, when I was a diver and I would clean their tank, I would sweep all the algae off their walls and floor <clears throat> with a big pool brush. 
and they would want to play. It took a couple hours. So Joe would come over and tilt his dorsal fin towards me. Come on, let's play. So I would drop my pool brush, and I couldn't see my hand stretched out in front of my face. It was so all green. And we would go for a spin around the tank. And after 10 minutes or so, I'd say, okay, I've got to get back to work, but I have no idea where my pool brush is. <laughs> and he would, do, he would bring me along the bottom and tilt his fin, and I would drop off, and there would be my brush right there. And he did this numerous <laughs> times whenever we went to play. <laughs> Just bring me right back to the brush. Um, in a timely manner when I say, okay, got to get back to work now. So, um, and there, there's no cues. There's no bucket of fish. There's no trying to please. There's just pure association and plain. Oh, it sounds like you had just as much fun as the dolphins. <laughs> I hope they had as much fun as I did. <laughs> it seems so. And, you know, relationships is really what it's all about. They're masters of communication, masters of relationships. And that's the most valuable thing we can give them in under our managed care. If we're going to have them in tanks and pools, we need to give them, we are responsible to give them the best relationships we can, long-term relationships with their trainers, with understanding trainers who can, who can perceive a wide variety of their communication abilities. It's not just nonverbal communication or body language. <clears throat> It's not all in body language, but body language is an important part. So understanding people who are willing to look into what, what is going on here and respond to the dolphins truthfully from their heart, from their integrity, from authentic communication with the dolphins is so important. And this is what they're missing most in the situations we put them in. Uh, I went to a park um, outside of Cancun, and they had dolphins in the park. And we were leaving the park as they're closing, and there's a man there playing the didgeridoo. And this dolphin came up, and it was just like his head was up, like he was just enjoying the music. It was just he was just in, uh, mesmerized by the music. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they 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 enjoy. You enjoy sounds, of course, and music and rhythm and voices and our enthusiasm, our joy. <clears throat> well, where do and, they get the dolphins uh, for the parks? Do they capture them when they're uh, little, or where do they get them? You know, I'm not sure where the U.S. gets their dolphins any any longer because <clears throat> we don't capture them here in the U.S. We're not allowed to trade with Cuba. We're a lot of dolphins are captured, or some dolphins are captured. We're, we're not part of that Japanese um, import of dolphins from the cove, I don't believe. I've been told we're not. So most of them have been born in captivity. Most of them are traded among parks, parks now. I'm not sure where they're getting any fresh dolphins from the ocean, or, or if indeed the U.S. parks are. But other parts of the world are getting them from the cove in Japan from a horrendous situation to bring in dolphins into captivity. Um, they do get them from Mexico and Cuba 
and now all over the world, Indonesia, Malaysia, um, dolphins, bottlenose dolphins live in coastlines all around the world. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I saw the um, trailer for Blackfish. And the, yes, tra- I watched the trailer. The trailer upset me. I thought oh, I couldn't even watch that movie, that film. It just upset me. Yeah, it is. I didn't watch the Cove either. I couldn't watch watch it. I know Rick O'Berry, and I, I just I know it's very educational, but I just can't bear to see that. They're so uh, traumatized. But Blackfish did. Yeah, as much as I know about the marine parks industry, um, Blackfish had a lot of uh, new information to me, specifically about historic information about the orcas involved. But, um, yeah, orcas are way too large to be held in small tanks, way too large. Dolphins, uh, it, it's rough enough on dolphins to be so contained, but for orcas, it's just just about unbearable and impossible. So, uh, what keeps them alive are their, their huge hearts and their huge capacity for relationships that really, um, with the special individuals, the relationships matter more than the space. Amazingly so. Yeah. You know, we could, not, we could not take it living in small, confined okay. areas without going completely asocial, antisocial. I know. Not only that, but they're so huge. My goodness. I mean, it's like terrible to put them in such cramped spaces. I really question, um, you know, being that you have this gift of uh, interweaving back and forth, do you go to different facilities, Roberta, to, to um, you know, maybe educate others about what you found out? Well, <clears throat> no. <clears throat> when I I first uh, when I left um, Marine World with Joe and Rosie to go to Florida, I never did go back to uh, working with them in captivity. Uh, it's 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 a tug of war because I know that there's there were ways that I could help improve the situations, but Working at Marine World, I found that there's really a hierarchy of control. And somebody coming in with good suggestions uh, or a different way of doing things or, you know, a closer bond with the dolphins uh, was not really appreciated or listened to it. You know, they have their sense of authority and, and long experience with the dolphins that they are responsible for. So new viewpoints are, are different, you know, difficult to bring into an establishment industry such as this dolphin. And you were you were involved in the movie uh, uh, about uh, dolphins working with children with autism? Yes, it's um, Nanaya the Dolphin um, by Jonathan Kay. And along with Daryl Hannah, I went out uh, to the wild dolphins with a couple of children with autism. 
And one of them was a young boy, just about seven, whose mother had never heard him speak. And Jonathan had told me his mission was to film a miracle of healing with dolphins. So I found this boy in the school, and we brought him out. And in the midst of a pod of 200 dolphins, the boy, Nate, and I uh, got into the water. And he was holding on to me, and he wouldn't wear a mask, so and I didn't even have my mask on. But we floated, and the dolphins came up all around us and underneath us as the entire pod passed through and around us. <clears throat> and I got so excited. He got so excited. He clutched me and squeezed me, and <clears throat> he had a hard time looking down or looking out at the fins. He was just so excited. And there with him clutched and the dolphins all around us, I just seemed to connect with purpose. My spirit went up. I was in ecstasy, and I felt, this is purpose. Um, The dolphins passed by, and we went back to the boat, and uh, he went home with his mom, and on the way home, he began speaking. Oh, wow. And after that, he spoke every week, a couple times a week. Um, So he continued to speak. And then a couple weeks later, we took him out, uh, this time not by the boat, but off the beach, again with Daryl Hannah. And um, my daughter and I were were towing him out in in an inner tube with a floor on it. So he's sitting in the inner tube and, and up higher than we were. And I said, now when you see the dolphins, let me know. Point to them say, dolphins, I see them. And a dolphin jumped in the distance and he looks down into the inner tube and he goes, see them, see them. And so he spoke several times to me that day. Um, And in a very clear, sweet voice, in context. And um, it was was an amazing, amazing story. There's more like that. my friend Ilona Selke has taken children out to dolphins in Key West, and she's had the same sort of amazing responses from the children. Uh, they're sonared by the dolphins. They're in the dolphins' presence in a whole new environment. The children usually love the boat, love all the novelty, love a, a different routine, you know, not a routine. Um, And the nature, it's just beautiful experience to take children out to the dolphins and see their lives change. That can be done out in the wild, exactly how you describe it. Out in the wild, yeah, Yeah, out in the wild. I think in the summit they were talking about um, having autistic children come to dolphins in captivity. But see, you, you've proven that it can be out in the wild. Well, the the real hazard or or downside to um, bringing children uh, with high hope, with parents with very high hopes, to dolphins in captivity and charging a lot of money for the treatment um, is that new facilities are being built just to do that. Dolphins are being caught and brought into tanks just to do that. And so it's created a demand for 
swim with the dolphins and dolphin healing centers around the world, many of them in Asia that are unregulated, whose um, perhaps the, the people in charge and the people working with the dolphins have no previous experience, perhaps. Um, it's just, it's created a demand for more captive dolphins, unfortunately. Roberta, I question if there's a um, chance that there must uh, do you know Dr. Bruce Lipton? Well, I know of him. Oh, I okay. had the pleasure of speaking with him. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just thinking, you know, um, there's a frequency that goes out from the dolphins, and I wonder if if that can be honed in on that, even even a CD or or digital machine to capture that frequency and um and you could see it on a screen on a graph and um you would see the interweaving with children and the dolphins and um i wonder if that frequency could be just given out into a general aspect of people within a room if if that wouldn't even a even a screen showing dolphins and and um if if that would not help people as well instead of being so honed in and charging to such a high degree for people to to attend um the workshop or or the special hand you know hand holding uh session with children so i yeah I it's difficult to bring children halfway around the world and come out with wild dolphins on a boat for the chance to see and be with yeah. them on one of those magical days. Yes, there's a number of us working on virtual experiences with dolphins. Right now I'm looking for a full-spectrum hydrophone and recording system that I can afford. <laughs> That's not too much. Um, that will record all these frequencies. So even the ones we don't know are, are in play. Um, can be recorded and um, played back. An entire system that's full spectrum frequency, which would go to at least 250, uh, I don't know if it's hertz, um, gigahertz, <laughs> hertz, or, or half a million even hertz, the dolphins are um, thought to actually produce. Um, but it's a wonderful concept, and I would love to have this uh, become a way for more people to be touched by the dolphins. Um, of course, it's, there's a lot of real-time things going on. You know, it's not as interesting to a dolphin or a child to look at uh, pictures that were taken yesterday as pictures that video that's happening right now. Um, yeah. And... The same, like the dolphin sonar is right now on that child for whatever reasons the dolphin have in that moment. And this is a, a very special, you know, we can't create this interface. <laughs> or recreate but, you it. know, it's kind of like uh, the 100th monkey type of thing. I'm thinking, well, even if they went into an area where the dolphins were in a in a huge aquarium or or even... You know where 
maybe special music was played in a in a area directly in the ocean where you know the there might be nets so that the so that the dolphins stay in a particular area, but then when certain music is played, they're there, and they realize the children would be there, or you know what I mean, some kind of interweaving that would be on the spot also. But the recording, I, I think the frequencies, I feel, you know, is just something that would be able to really help many on a larger scale. So right. I'm so excited yeah. to hear that you're doing this, you know. Well, I take video every time I'm out. I'm trying to record the best sound I can. And I know there would be a way to project the video into a a lifelike experience. Um, The IMAX movie Dolphins that was done so long ago with Robin Williams and others, or maybe that one didn't have Robin Williams in it, but with with Dean Burnell and his, his, uh, and the Dolphin Jojo and, it, it it fell short in that it didn't really immerse you into a dolphin pod, and that's what I was hoping from an IMAX movie that it would really immerse you in the sounds and the the textures of the dolphin pod with dolphins all around you. Um, it would be lovely to recreate swimming amongst a dolphin pod or within a dolphin pod, both the sounds and the visuals. Um, you, know, you have some nice it, it, you have it, some nice videos on your website. <laughs> you should let I everybody have more know videos your website. up on Vimeo, Vimeo.com oh. slash Roberta Goodman. And very soon I'm going to put up the video that I took about a month ago of a dolphin giving birth. A wild dolphin, a wild spinner dolphin who comes in front of me and um the tail is is partially, you know, hanging out of her, the tail of her baby dolphin, and she uh, pushes even more of the baby out in front of me, about a minute video. And then she goes off into uh, the cloudy water, gives birth, and then comes back with the baby dolphin and the pod all around her and the baby dolphins. The dolphins were jumping all over the bay and, and splashing. They were so joyous at this new birth. It was beautiful. Oh, wow. Well, we want everybody to know we're talking to Roberta Goodman, and you said you're you've got some uh, videos on Vimeo, um, on Vimeo, Roberta. and some on YouTube. So, yeah. so people look yeah. up Roberta uh, Goodman, and you can see her beautiful videos. Uh, that I can't wait to see that one. I'll have an announcement up on the Facebook page, the Wild Dolphin Swims Hawaii Facebook page too. Oh, wow. Wild Dolphin <laughs> Swim Hawaii. Your, your, That's my business name. And then it's a Facebook page. Yeah. So okay. You want to give that out again? Wild Dolphin Swim Hawaii. And it's dot com is my business. And then it's also a Facebook page. And people that want to see really great videos, look up Roberta on YouTube or Vimeo. So. Now, yeah. is there ever a surplus of captivity, um, dolphins in captivity, like maybe when a, a, a park closes down out of a lot of dolphins? I mean, is it easy to replace them? or mm-hmm. <clears throat> Dolphins are, are in 
trained dolphins are quite valuable, um, carry a heavy price tag. And with new facilities opening up, I think that they can find slots for the well-trained ones without a problem. <clears throat> Switzerland, a little over a year ago, decided not to have dolphins in captivity any longer in their country. And they had, I believe it was two dolphins left, and they rehomed them in Jamaica. They didn't bring them back to the ocean, but they brought them to a, a facility in Jamaica. Um, that's what usually happens when they have baby dolphins. I asked uh, here on the Big Island when they had their babies if they always kept their babies with their moms and um, or if they sold them. And their response was that they have, the owners actually own three facilities, <clears throat> and so they trade them among them. So it so. must be heartbreaking for the dolphins to be separated from uh, one. No. Absolutely. Do they go into depression when they're separated from their, they could. their buddies? They could. Mm -hmm. Out here in the wild in Hawaii, the dolphins know each other from birth to death. We have about 750 resident dolphins. Uh, the same number as was counted in the 70s, was counted just a couple years ago. And these dolphins know each other all their lives. They don't stay in in uh, in discrete family groups. They <clears throat> sometimes are 600 together, and sometimes there's maybe 12 or or uh, even fewer. But usually there's 50 or more dolphins together, and they group in different ways. They go out to sea at night and hunt, and then they come in along the shoreline. So we find them right along the coastline every day of the year. And these dolphins, like I said, know each other all their lives, all their lives. Um, you see a mom with last year's baby who's pregnant and going to have another baby every year sometimes. Um, they know each other all their lives. So I, you just said something I didn't know. I, I just assumed that they have one pod and they just keep in, in that one pod, but it sounds like but you just said they in, intermingle. They do, yeah. You, uh, I didn't know that. I'll see a dolphin that I recognize up north of the harbor one day with certain other dolphins and down south of the harbor the day after with um, some different dolphins or a smaller group of them or a larger group of them. <laughs> and then somebody, somebody said, too, that they, um, the whales that come in, uh, there's the male whales that come in, the younger males, they go really fast. And the dolphins just, like, um, go behind them and use their, um, what would you call it, the tail. Anyway, they swim with the, the whales. Slipstream. <laughs> yeah. They can swim with the, the whales. In fact, uh, I was on a research permit to take video with humpback whales off Maui for a couple of years, 93, 94, and um, it took video of four dolphins bow riding a humpback whale underwater. They look like little streamers on his nose. And the whale was giving them a push just like our boat gives them a push. And uh, the dolphins were riding the nose. Uh, soon after that, Wyland came out uh, with a sculpture of, of that of oh. that same thing. Wow. <laughs> dolphins bow riding well, a humpback. That's interesting. We have uh, koi fish 
and uh-huh. we've got the bigger uh-huh. ones, and then the, we have some babies. The babies do that with the big ones. <laughs> mm. Mm. Oh, how cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they know so much. They they know when a wave is coming. They love surfing. And on rough days, we may find them uh, just a slight bit offshore, surfing the waves in. <clears throat> and they can see one. Co- they know when one's coming, a bigger one is coming. And they'll wait for a couple of waves till the one they want to catch comes. So they're, they're totally tuned into their environment. They're totally uh, comfortable and knowing of their surroundings, uh, you know, to... How can they see a wave from underwater coming? Maybe they hear it. How can it. they feel it then or sense it in some way? They, you know, um, but they can. And they surf the biggest ones. <laughs> they wait for the set. <laughs> well, you take I've people out. I've had them try to teach uh, me to surf. Pardon? I said you take people out from the big uh, You live on the big island. Um, how did you actually end up at the, on the big island? Well, after I left Marine World um, I, and went to Florida with the dolphins, I looked for places where I could get in, in with the dolphins in the wild. And Key West was really the premier place that I found to, to be in the water with bottlenose dolphins. And at that time in the 80s, there was only one boat doing that. And as it became more popular, more and more boats came. And so they regulated it and said, no more swimming with the dolphins here. But that was the only pod of friendly bottlenose dolphins. There were about 40 of them that would come in, uh, some at a time, um, that I knew of back then. More and more dolphins are coming in all around the world. And I also went to Monkey Maya and spent a month camping on the beach at Monkey Maya in the 80s. This was 86. Um, just before my daughter was born, I was nine months pregnant and had exceptional interactions and, and um, uh, watching amazing behaviors from the dolphins there who came right into the beach, right into... I, I sat on the sand, nine months pregnant, and a three-year-old dolphin laid in my arms, belly to belly with me. A wild dolphin. Oh. Wow. <laughs> that was Holly, and her mother was holy then. And so I've looked around the world. I went to Bonaire for nine months looking to do a, uh, a release program there with a resort there. And I had always, you know, when I read the book, it was on Maui. And I always came back to Maui. But on Maui, the dolphins were just more difficult to find. And when I went, uh, I had heard that, that Ken Norris from UC Santa Cruz had done research in the 70s with dolphins in Kealakekua Bay. And in 1983, made my first trip to the Big Island. And it, it, when I came back in 93, went back to the Big Island, 94, I just started swimming with the dolphins on the east side of the island and then on the west side, and it was fabulous. It still wasn't 100%. It was about 50-50 all year round, whether you find the dolphins there or not. But um, I got my own boat over in Hilo, 
and began going out to the dolphins and by boat, the odds are much higher. So now I'm disappointed if once a year we don't find the dolphins, I just, it crushes me. <laughs> I, I can't take the disappointment for, for me, let alone for my passengers who come, my guests come from around the world to swim with them and they have one day and it's got to be that day. So having a almost 100% likelihood of being with the dolphins on any day of the year is that's the place. That's the place for me. <laughs> and, well, people, and, can, uh, but so. people can go on your website and contact you if they want to go uh, on a wild dolphin adventure. Do you yes, have any? Be, uh, how do you think you're? Pardon? So, do you have any uh, great story that happened uh, since you've been on the Big Island and taking people out? Anything really special happened in one of the, the tours that you took them out? I take out people who don't know how to swim. Some of them have had a near-death experience. They've never snorkeled before in their life. (laughs) And they will put on snorkel gear and fins for the first time in their life, climb, uh, climb onto my swim step, and slip into the water for the first time where they can't see the bottom to see the dolphin. And this is an amazing happening every time with each individual that comes and is so brave to face the unknown and all their fears from years and get into the ocean to see the dolphins. And when they pass by, the dolphins pass by, people pop up, they look me in the eye, you look me in the eye. They're so excited and cannot believe that this wild creature came from out of the blue, passed so closely with an arm's reach of them, and looked them directly into the eye. Wow. So, that must help people uh, from that point on uh, to confront their fears. It, it, the dolphins are helping people. I wouldn't get into the ocean without dolphins. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't because I'm afraid, but just, oh, that wet, cold stuff. I don't know, to go see some fish. But <laughs> as beautiful as they are, they wouldn't get me into the ocean every day. And dolphins get me into the ocean every day. And they get all my guests into the ocean. Rarely will someone stay on the boat. But even staying on the boat, they'll see dolphins all around them and under their feet as they ride the bow and surfing behind us in the wake. But they will get into the ocean with who knows what to see the dolphins. Well, there's dolphins are creating this. Yeah, the, uh-huh. they are. The, the dolphins have that frequency that just, I mean, that love frequency that people want to go after, huh? They're bringing us into the ocean, which is the spirit and our emotions and, and our feelings, uh, teaching us how to feel, how to, how to dive into this unknown called spirit, this unknown well of emotions uh, called the ocean. It's, it, it's our journey, and they're leading us right into it all around the world, not just in Hawaii, not, not just in Australia, all around the world. They're leading us into this very, very special other world we have right at our feet, the ocean. It's it's amazing. They're healers. Mm -hmm. And the ocean, with the salt water that has all the minerals in it, 
that was our our blood was the same composition 10 million years ago as the ocean, the clean, pristine ocean, um, is healing. It's really it's. Yes. Um, yeah. I was going to say, don't ocean let go. Mm-hmm. Joan Ocean spoke at the summit also, and she was told a story about um, uh, all of you, I, I think you were included, went out and um, fought against the military and doing their sonar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, people on the big island, they were, practi- they were routines, what do they call them, going on around them with low-frequency low sonar, and people got into the water off of boats and off of the shore when they knew that the practices were going on um, to deter them, to say, there's people in the water. You cannot experiment on us uh, to protect the dolphins and whales. Um, Yeah. And some people did have effects, dizziness and other sorts of effects that they felt from being in the water with the low frequency. And I mean, for the dolphins being so sensitive, I'm sure that their hearing is very sensitive. That that would really, I would think, bother them. The worst affected are the deep diving beaked whales, which we know so little about. And a direct connection was made by Ken Balcom on, on the Bahamas because he was right there when the Navy was doing their they're testing and beaked whales started washing up on the beach. And he absolutely demonstrated a correlation between the two. Um, and uh, beak whales are deep divers. They go down a mile, uh, perhaps more, a mile down and, and stay down in an hour perhaps. And are very susceptible if a strong, strong, strong noise boomed through the ocean when they're that deep. Um, it's just tragic for them. Well, the military uh, fact, eventually the, the, left. Didn't they leave the big pardon. island? I mean, yeah, they, they are weapon. They're, they're weapon-grade sounds. Hmm. Yes. I and, just had an idea, Roberta. I, you know, I'm wondering, and maybe you've already done it, but... Being, when you go down into the ocean with the dolphins, um, I, do you have any recording device that can be on you when you go down there to receive the frequency, and um, and then that frequency can be brought back up and shared, made maybe continuously on your website or or placed out there that people can can put that information out or they can grab. They can do whatever. I mean, because frequency of love is. I, I'm thinking even even children that might have um, that aren't necessarily uh, doing good things. Maybe that vibration of love would would support mm-hmm. them in a new way. You know. Yeah, I think it's certainly worth experimenting with collecting their sounds. I can only hold my breath well. 45 seconds might be a pretty long breath hold for me, <laughs> going down 30 feet or 40 feet. But to, um, but my hydrophone does go down deeper, and I do dive down with them and take video. To get clean sound is, is uh, important and difficult. There's snapping shrimp and boat noises, and you're going to have to have your boat turned off when you're recording. And there's a, um, 
a lot of just, uh, you know, contingencies to getting a really clean recording that we can work with. But I yeah. definitely believe this is a great direction. Yeah, to, why not? People yeah, have done that explore. with whales. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. the whale sound. Yeah. I mean, it just, the whale um, sounds just it makes the hair on my arms stand up. It's just so beautiful. Mm. Mm. Well, you know what? We are so lucky to have you with us today. I, I, uh, uh, we're talking with Roberta Goodman, and her website is Wild Dolphins. Excuse me, Wild Dolphin Swims Hawaii dot com. And one more time, Wild Dolphin Swims Hawaii dot com. You've got to go there. It is really so beautiful and magnificent, and it's so exciting to have you come and share your stories with us. Thank you, Paula. It's been such a pleasure, and uh, I love speaking with you and your inquisitiveness and your the experience you've had with with being out in Hawaii and with them and uh, and your show. It's such a service you do to explore all these topics and share them with. Well, Roberta, you've made me want to The interview today makes me want to go back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me know when you come back. Come on back. (laughs) Let me know. Come out on my boat. Maybe we can do an interview from the boat with the dolphins. Oh, oh, that would be fun. (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) Well, we thank you so much for being with us. I know that you were going out to the beach and you're going to you're going to have fun today so and you took a, almost a full hour with us so that, uh, we're so grateful <laughs> well i've been looking for dolphins along this the santa barbara coastline here as we've been giving the interview expecting them to pop up any minute i know the minute we disconnect uh they're going to come right in <laughs> along the beach here <laughs> but uh, and wave at you <laughs> yeah here we are. We've been here all along. <laughs> well, well, well. Thank you again, and go have fun and play. <laughs> oh, thank you, Paula, and thank Tad and and your crew there. Okay, I look forward to uh, putting it up on my website and sharing. Great. Oh, great. Thank right. you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Aloha. 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 Aloha.